welcome back to the Home to Self podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here joining me for yet another powerful conversation. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Today's episode guest was Brittley Ann. Brittley is a breathwork facilitator and a somatic healing coach. And her zone of genius is really on how to use the breath to access these deeper parts of our subconscious and these traumas that we hold in our body so that we can release it and connect deeper to ourselves to facilitate our expansion, our growth, our self-discovery. And it's so beautiful because this conversation really has such an overlap with the work that I love to talk about within coming home to yourself, coming home to your body, how to rebuild that trust within your body to use it as guidance for your path. We talked a ton about Britley's inspiring story of how she did a complete 180 in her life during the pandemic and was able to step in a completely new role as a facilitator. And we talked about breathwork how it actually works in the body and how it can be used to facilitate our healing capacity. We talked about mindset work. We talked about self-discovery and the power of language, asking yourself questions. So many juicy topics covered in this episode. I think you're going to love it as much as I did. And if you do, please consider leaving us a rating and review after you are done or sharing it with a friend because that really helps to support the show. Lastly, if you do enjoy this conversation with Britley, make sure you check out her work over on Instagram and her website and also her podcast, all of which are going to be linked in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. This has been so fun to grow this podcast and bring on all of these amazing guests to share their wisdom with you. So thank you again. And without further ado, here is Britley Ann. All right. Welcome back to the Home to Self podcast. Britley, I'm so excited that you're here joining me for this conversation. I'm so glad that our worlds kind of like collided and that the, our paths crossed when we went to Rachel Bell's meetup here in Boulder. That was probably a few months ago. And I just remember talking to you and you talking about somatic healing and breath work and that you're working for pause breath work, which I love Sam Skelly and her podcast. I've been following her for a little while now. So it was just such a fun little synchronicity. And I really wanted to explore this conversation deeper with you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm so excited to hear more about your story. Lily, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to talk to all of the empowered women that lean into your space because it is so magnetic. Um, and just to pour into into you in this moment. So thank happy. you so much. I'm so glad you're here. This is gonna be fun. So let's start off right at the beginning with more of like your story because I know that you are a breathwork facilitator, a somatic healing coach. You do so much in this space of health and wellness. And I want to hear about how you got to this space. Like what was the catalyst that brought you from the Britley that you were maybe a few years ago to who you are today doing the work that you do? Mm, yeah, I always get chills when I go to answer this question because who I was three years ago is completely different than who I am today. I mean, it's so different. You could ask anybody from my past, and if I were to tell them three years ago that I am going to step into a, 
a healing coach position where I empower women and bring people home to their bodies and gap the bridge between their mind and body, people would really probably laugh. Um, three years ago and, and long before that, I've always been a hard worker. I've been a hustler. I was in the real estate industry at 17 years old. I never asked my parents for money after, you know, 15. I was always self-sufficient. So I knew the grind and I was in my masculine all the time hustling. I made straight A's. I beat myself up day in and day out. Um, when I turned 22, I also took on pharmaceutical sales. So I was a realtor full-time and a pharmaceutical rep full-time, which sounds really amazing and badass, but really I was, I was hiding and numbing from everything in my life, um, pouring into work and creating an addiction and a really anxious attachment to money. Um, yeah, so 23 years old, I'm a pharmaceutical rep, full-time realtor, which are two jobs you should never try to combine, by the way, I, I don't advise. Um, and I was actually in a, in a two-year relationship, one of the healthiest relationships I had, I've had, uh, and living in a little house that, that we kind of bought and decorated together with a golden retriever puppy, and I was at the height of an eating disorder. So I was looking around at this quote-unquote perfect life that I had created for myself, and anyone who was investing in my social media would also probably tell you that I lived the perfect life, because that is what I was betraying, and that is what I so badly wanted to uphold, right? All the while on the inside, I was dying. I kind of knew this wasn't my person. I kind of knew I didn't want to live in the city that we were living in. I knew that real estate was going to drain me and I was going to experience burnout within the next six months. All the while, you know, truly hating my body. I mean, I hated my body. I hated to be inside it. I hated to live in it. So I never wanted to sit still because it's really hard to sit still in a body that, that you don't love or know. Right. And so pushing myself to the point of exhaustion and um, binging, restricting, purging, living in a really toxic headspace, which was leading to a really toxic inner environment, which was, of course, pouring out into my external. Um, I did a lot of the mental piece. So I did a lot of the research, the podcasts, the self-help books into uh, eating disorders. I became aware during COVID. So there was no better time for me to just dive into, into healing that. And I, I reached a certain point of recovery and awareness. I started to tell the people that I loved and, and loved me that I was experiencing this. So I did start reaching for support. However, it wasn't until my first breathwork experience that I felt completely liberated from the chains of this eating disorder. Um, I had lived in disconnection from my mind and body for many, many years. In fact, they were at war with each other every single day. Um, there was nothing that I could do, no way I could move my body and really no way that I could look for my mind to accept me fully and for me to, to feel connected as one. Uh, doing breath work for the first time it was with Samantha Skelly. So just a huge round, <laughs> roundabout way. Um, it was in San Diego in person, and it was a 45-minute transformation experience. And I felt a click in my solar plexus. So if, if you know where that is, it's right kind of behind your breastbone. It's our third, fourth chakra, right? Um, I, I felt a click, and I felt my body connect. This is where I get chills because it's, it's kind of an unexplainable experience. But I realized that these two parts were not separate entities. And when connected, I could literally feel 
my power. I could feel my body, this beautiful vessel that's trying so fucking hard, if I can cuss on here, to protect me and carry me through this life. And I was just destroying it and destructing it and its its biggest critic. And so I think that would be the, the catalyst to changing everything for me. I actually went into a somatic healing container soon after with no, and no um, plan to become a somatic coach myself. Just thought it was really neat that we went beyond that cognitive ping pong and into the body, this, the 95% of subconscious, which we perform on day to day, where we react from, where we believe and think from, right? And have conversations around. And so we actually brought that awareness into the body and it changed me on a cellular level <laughs> all the way through and that is when i picked up my stuff i moved across the country to denver by myself in a subaru with everything i owned and uh without knowing a soul and i recreated my space i recreated my life i went really inward i didn't worry about work i quit my job and i stepped into this space of becoming a student of this work and along that journey, which I'm sure we'll get into, I had to rewire my money stories and and what productive meant and what success meant and what healing meant and how and how to step into this role in which I am today, which is to really lead women through liberation, not externally, right? Not in all of the things and the shiny objects and the tangible material things, but by finding themselves in their body. So very long-winded answer. <laughs> Um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you explained your story because it's always, it gives me chills too to hear mm -hmm. that like breaking point because that is at the same time like the liberation piece that then like excels people onto this completely new path. And it's so obvious for you, you know, like there was like a before and after. And breathwork is such a powerful modality for healing that I think is I mean it's become more and more popular in the space but like I think a lot of people still haven't even heard of or at least like tried it for themselves and mm -hmm. so I'd love for you to break it down a little bit more for those people who maybe haven't experienced a transformation like this like how would you explain what breathwork is and how can we use breathwork to truly start our healing journey and to reconnect to our bodies yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I think when I say I do breath work, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, box breath, you know, in for four, hold for four out. I'm like, yeah, that, that is a form of breath work. And there are so many patterns, right? But the, the breath work that I'm speaking on is intentional. It's elongated and it lasts anywhere from 23 to an hour and 23 minutes. So the reason that breathwork is transformational, the reason that it is one of the most he powerful healing modalities in the market today is because in order for us to experience transformation and change in our personal reality, there are three components that are, that are absolutely necessary. And, and this is my opinion, of course, but one of them is safety. If we don't feel completely safe in our body, if there's a big disconnection, there's, there's a likelihood that we're not going to be able to actually pivot and shift and transform and step into this new identity that we're craving, right? And the second is emotional inclusion. A lot of us want to pick and choose the emotions in which we want to feel and really suppress and hide and dim and leave behind those in which we feel uncomfortable really feeling the depths of. And then the last one is um, observation versus identification. So it's actually the ability to observe and witness ourselves from a loving space rather than engulf and embody and identify with our anxiety or with our depression or with those challenging blocks that, that disallow us from stepping into our power. 
So with all of that being said, breathwork really opens up the gate to all three of these. It also takes our, our body. So we live in the analytical mind 98% of the day, right? That's like the very 3D narrow mind in which we're only fixated on the task at hand. We're really unable to zoom out and to feel the presence and feel the energy and feel the flow of the universe, right? Um, so when we're in this analytical mind, not much can change because we're actually not accessing safety and we're certainly not allowing all of the emotions in our body to be seen, fully met, and heard and, and the space to move. So breathwork will actually take us from a beta state, which is that analytical state that we live in 98% of our days from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep through a beta state, which is more of a meditative state. This is my maybe how you feel when you get out of yoga, right? You're like, Ooh, I'm so zen. Ask me anything. So it's more of a soft mind, right? You're, you're embodied. You can feel your body. You're attuned. You're present. But you're still not fully in the subconscious space, which is theta. That's more of a hypnotic state, right? That's where we're actually suggestible to, to creating new neural pathways from our subconscious beyond that in which we've already established in our life. So if there's something that we want to step into, a greater energy, a greater experience we want to have, we actually have to get into that theta, that suggestible place where we show our body it's completely safe, allow the emotions, the, pro the space to fully process and move through. And then we are able to actually witness ourselves in this beautiful state rather than identify with the emotions as they come up. So that's a really shortened version of, of why breath work is so important and why when you find a spiritual guide or a leader or someone who is a master in this work can really create sustainable transformation um, just through the breath, which is our most infinite resource. And it's, it's accessible to us all day long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, something I talk about a lot, which is exactly what this is in, in different ways a different way of explaining it, it is really like regulating the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a step that, well, I don't think I know for sure that this is a step that I kind of ignored through the first few years of my health journey. Mm -hmm. And it's the piece that I have, looking back, I have realized that I was, I was in a state of fight or flight so much mm -hmm. that my body itself mm -hmm. couldn't heal. And so I approach this work a lot from like the perspective of healing because that was my journey too. And I'm very fascinated with like the physical health component. Um, but I think it's so beautiful because breath work, like our breath is the direct access to our nervous system. And so not only is it free and we can access it directly, but you can tap into that whenever you want if you have these tools in your toolbox. And so I really think it's such a powerful practice to implement into your life. And I'm interested to hear how you work with clients when doing breath work, do you, and like emotions come up and they process those emotions. Is it just a somatic experience or do you include more of like a, um, integration piece afterwards where they can kind of look at what came up and how they can start to, you know, rewire their subconscious to create new patterns in the future moving forward with the information they've learned. Such a good question. And I am going to answer that question, but I I'm also want to preface that I'm so glad you touched on what you just did because breathwork doesn't always have to be this long, immersive, transformational experience. Mm -hmm. It can be a five to 10 minute, 10 minute practice, right? The vagus nerve, the nerve that runs from the base of our, our skull all the way down our spine and touches on every organ in our body, that is the nerve in which we are regulating, right? When we talk about regulating our nervous system, we're really bringing that 
nerve back into homeostasis, back to into an alchemized state. Five minutes of breath work can do that, right? So if you're not looking for this big, huge transformational experience right away, but you want to experience transitioning your state from that of the analytical mind into more of that beta that we talked about that like feel good meditative there are so many breath patterns that you can do and we can go over some of them at the end maybe to be able to bring that state down so thank you for touching on that because it's not always this big 45 minute ordeal although those are the great ones um and then to answer your questions every experience looks so different right so breath work in the tool and the form and the fashion that i love to use it in is to actually bring my clients into the body fully through meditation and through just attuning to their system, allowing me the space to navigate with them what sensations are alive, what they're feeling. If we're working through something specific like a fear, we can actually find that in the body together through the correct questions and guidance and support and then reveal and reveal the part that is stuck in time, right? Often that part of fear is an intelligence that goes a long time ago when we were building the subconscious programming. So if we're able to actually bring that up and enlighten that part of us and work through some of the needs that it has from there, the breath work is a really beautiful way to to move energy so we can fall back into the space where we're open enough to actually create change. So breath work does multiple things. Of course, it does allow us to integrate. It allows us to create space in the body to get out of our heads and into the body so we're even able to access the body. Um, it really depends on the level of the client, where they're at, uh, how much awareness they have, how much experience they have, and of course, titrating to their experience, right? If they don't even know how to feel into the body and they're like, they stop at the throat chakra, which is a lot of times where women, where we've suppressed our truth and we're not able to actually go deeper, then a few breaths to open and clear allowing allows us to just slowly begin to drop in. But someone who is experienced at breath work and does it daily might be able to drop into their bodies quick in which we can do a little bit more of an activating breath work to be able to bring up emotions that need to be liberated in the body and are stuck over time. Beautiful. And this brings me to my next question, which has to do with this connection to your body that you're talking about. Um, again, one of the main topics that I love to talk about on this podcast and just in my work in general is come, I mean, this podcast is called home to self and that has so many different meanings, but one of them, like you said at the beginning is coming home to your body. And this is really what we're talking about here in so many ways. And so I'd love for you to dive deeper into how we can begin that process back home to our bodies, back to trusting ourselves, because I think that we live in a world that very much directly and indirectly teaches us to disconnect, to disconnect from the heavy emotions, to numb out, to distract. There's so many distract distractions. For example, social media being probably the biggest one. Like you grab your phone every time that there is something in the body that we don't know how to or we don't want to feel deeply. Um, and yet it is through that feeling, through that experience that we actually like integrate it and heal it. And so how do we start to trust our bodies again and trust our intuitions and the signals that our bodies are giving us, maybe through breath work or whatever other modality you've used? Yeah, oh, this is such a good question. And I, I'm taking myself back to a time where I did not trust my body. I did not trust my body to, to mm -hmm. do anything for me. I didn't even know my body. Um, and I would say, you know, beyond, of course, the somatic therapy and the ability to seek support, we have so many resources at our fingers. If you are currently like, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
my body is the same as my brain and I just move it when I need to. And what in the heck is this whole attuning to your nerve? Like, oh my gosh, right? And you're at that level and you're like, how do I even begin? Um, you brought up a great point that the first thing we reach for in the morning is the dopamine hit that we return to throughout the rest of the day. So for me, looking at my phone, you hear about this all the time, morning routines and the importance of it. But the reason that it's cliche, the reason that it's reiterated is because it is so true. My dopamine hit, my first dopamine hit every single morning is me sitting upright in a black room because I wake up at 6 a.m. before the world and I get into gratitude not the analytical gratitude that I'm thankful that I'm healthy and that I have this, but I, I am deeply grateful to be here in this moment. So that's my dopamine hit. So that's what I come back to all throughout the day when I need a hit of serotonin, right? I'm like, oh, gratitude. If the first thing we do in the morning is reach for our phone, that's what we will return to all day long. So really those mindfulness practices, and we can get into those, is really important. The second thing that I think really transformed me was that third foundational piece to transformation that I mentioned, which is the observation versus the identification. So when we are able to observe ourselves, when we are able to witness ourselves, when we are able to get outside of the tornado of the emotion we are experiencing, close our eyes, hold it, get in, and then just notice because every sensation has an energy, right? So that energy is actually somewhere in, in your body. If we can begin to observe ourselves, to become this loving witness of ourselves, and instead of I am anxious and I am insecure and I am all of these things that we are reiterating in our brain, can we say I am experiencing an anxious emotion? I am experiencing thoughts of insecurity. Can we begin to step back further and further and witness ourselves? And a really key component in being able to do this is being curious, right? Like when I get, when I, was working through this and I would get triggered and I would go, my big thing was chocolate peanut butter. I'd eat a thing of peanut butter a day. It was ridiculous, but that was my hit, right? That was my vice. And I would go and I would get the peanut butter and I'd get it. And I was like, I'm so curious. Why? Like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I'm hungry? Is this becoming habitual? Is there a need that's not being met? Am I disassociating? Just the small awarenesses of why we are doing what we're doing. Why do we operate the way we do? Why do we reach for the things we do? If we don't start to self-discover and become really curious about our synchronous, like our um, habits and synchronicities, what am I trying to say? Synchronicities, sure. Make that up. <laughs> Dr. Weber, throw it in there. Um, and we're never going to be able to really observe ourselves and witness ourselves in a way that we can transform. Mm -hmm. um, does that answer your question? Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many directions that you could take so that, that question in, but I love that you hit on the piece of self-inquiry and just starting to ask ourselves questions. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a piece that seems seems too easy, but it's almost always the simple things that make such a difference. And I can totally attest to the, the power of starting to ask ourselves questions to get to know ourselves deeper and get to yeah. get to the root of some of these behaviors because – I feel like a lot of the health and wellness space has to do with tackling the issue at the surface level, right? The result, the action, the habit. But usually those are just a byproduct of the deeper layers, the, the beliefs, the emotions that haven't been processed. And so if we can create that separation, like you said, between the I am anxious versus I am experiencing anxiety, now in my mind at least, I've created a little bit of space that I can work with now instead of being so 
like closely identified with that statement and that feeling. And now you can start to ask yourself questions, which actually helps you get to the root and do some of this healing work on yourself if you don't yet have a practitioner to work with. Yeah. And um, something else that I want to come back to in your story um, is the eating disorder piece, because I know that you're not alone. I've experienced disordered eating. I wouldn't identify it as like one specific one, but I think that to a certain degree, a lot of women have some form of disordered eating in today's society. And in my opinion, a lot of it is comes back to not being connected to our bodies, not understanding how to process our own emotions. And so we reach for that vice, right? For for a lot of us is food because we restrict it so much in our day-to-day -day lives. So yeah. was it breath work for you that really helped you heal from your from your eating disorder? And how would you, what advice would you give to any anyone out there who maybe experienced some sort of disordered eating that really wants to heal from that? Yeah, great question. Eating disorders stem from all sorts of things, right? Of course. And ultimately, they all come down to a very similar thing, which is wanting to feel worthy and wanting to, and a false sense of control over our experience in our body. So when we have a need that is not met, we try to meet it externally, right? And we reach for external factors. For me, it was men in high school, and then it was controlling my body. So I pretty much surrendered my worth from a young age. My worth was completely dependent on the attention that I received from the football player and the quarterback. And it was all a game for me to figure out how to feel valuable inside because I didn't feel valuable inside. Um, of course, I didn't know that at the time it was a subconscious vice, right? It was a subconscious way for me to meet my needs. But, but during that time, my worth was wrapped up in how I looked. So if I didn't have that, then I wasn't going to be worthy. And so whenever we place an importance on something, whether it's food or whether it's money or whatever, the, the things that we are idolizing outside of ourselves gain power, we create an anxious attachment to them, right? Um, and we won't get into that too much because there's also a void in attachment, but ultimately we create an attachment to that, to that thing that is not secure. And then we'll do just about anything to receive it. And we begin to idolize it and create this big energetic bubble around something outside of ourselves rather than placing the attention and energy inward. Um, so for me, for this eating disorder, A, I wanted control over what I felt like was an uncontrollable life, especially during quarantine, right? I was terrified. Everything felt out of my control. My life and its trajectory felt out of control. So if I could at least control the food that I put in my body and then throw it back up if I needed to and kind of create this sense of, see, I do have control with the universe when the underlying need was just that I needed to be seen and met and worthy in what I was in. That is all that I wanted was to feel worthy and complete on my own. So I thought that I was, again, externalizing and surrendering my power to everything outside of myself, not knowing that that power actually lived deeply rooted within me. And I had the ability to access it the whole time. Um, so if you're experiencing something like that, I just want to encourage you. You're so not alone. So many women face this. And... There's such a societal expectation. I know we talk about that all the time for the way that we look and the way that we show up. And and it's true, right? I mean, I mean, women get idolized for looking certain ways. And I think when we actually reveal things like this, when we're like, look, the way that society is set up and it's conditioning and it's programming is to idolize 
the body that looks like this and it is going to promote the person that looks like this and that's not me we, we actually take the power away when we just speak it right whoever came up with these rules and standards that you're supposed to look at that way has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with me and I think also being really conscious of what you're consuming at the height of my eating disorder, my entire news feed on social media was really ripped girls, supplement brands, working out. And that was kind of right. You Wherever you place your awareness, your energy goes. So my awareness was on this and it was growing and it was getting bigger. It took up all my mental space. It took up my entire life. All of a sudden, I'm working out eight times a day, throwing up twice. And it just was the all-consuming disorder. And I began to chop, chip away at that. I began to unfollow people. I began to, I canceled the gym membership, which was horrifying to me, right? Because if I'm not going to work out, the whole story was that I was going to gain weight, be unattractive, and be a moron worthy. So it's really like just revealing everything that's alive for you in that vice that you have and in that habit that you can't break. Understanding that the only thing that you're really searching for inside is just to feel full. And if I told you right now that you have the complete capacity and ability to do that on your own through support and love for yourself, I know it's really hard to believe me. It was really hard for me to believe myself, but it is so capable or it is so available to you. There is, there is literally nothing outside of yourself. That's how you were created innately. Innately worthy, we're all the same. There's nothing you can do or not do in order to change the level of your worth. You are just worthy. That's all. And if we can come home to that, we can begin to, again, get curious about why we do the things we do, what it is we're looking for, what is the need we're trying to fulfill. And it's not an easy question to answer right away, especially when you've been disassociated from your needs for years and years and years. If I asked you what you need, you're like, a glass of water. What do you mean? Right? But I think the more you ask yourself and the more that you chip away and take away some of the the energy that you're placing in that vice, maybe take it out of your household or, or create a habit disrupt where when you go to do that thing instead you have to go outside and do five jumping jacks and then you can have the thing start to create blockages between you and that thing start to consume less of it and and ask more questions around it beautiful yeah the part of like disconnecting from the consumption of whatever is keeping your attention and therefore your energy on that habit that you're stuck in is so huge um, because I experienced something similar when I shifted. It was more of an internal transformation that I went to, I went through. I mean, I think it kind of is for most people and then the physical results follow. But yeah, I was in, like I said, in such a stressed out state because I was also consuming so much information. And although I think that there is a balance between like informing yourself and, and having the the knowledge it can often go too far and then we become obsessive about it and we become, yeah, just like needing the information constantly. And I think that that piece of like wherever you put your attention, that is where your energy is flowing. And so if all you're doing is consuming more and more content and more and more pictures, it's just adding validation to the feelings that you've been feeling all along. And now you're trapped in this thinking the same thoughts and feeling the same feelings which ultimately creates the same behaviors over and over. And so I think some sort of pattern interrupt like you were talking about is really helpful as well. And um, how did you incorporate breathwork into that healing journey for yourself? Yes, good question. And you're exactly right. It's not more information that we need, right? Mm -hmm. By the time we're done with this con 
this podcast, there will be a whole new plethora of information for us to go seek. It's not, it's not the information we need. It's actually the silence and the stillness and being in the nothingness and the humanness that's going to reveal. So just wanted to, to touch on that. I felt called to say that if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, yep, another podcast on what I got to do and what I need to do, mm-hmm. and this is good stuff, but probably won't do it. There's nothing for you to do. Thank you for being here and for listening and to leaning into your growth and your healing and your evolution. And if you do nothing with this podcast, perfect. If you do nothing but turn it off and sit in silence for five minutes with yourself, perfect. There's nothing more you need to do or see or be. Um, As far as how breathwork began in my journey, I really did go kind of all in. When I was pretty fed up with myself and once I had experienced breath work and I had gone through this somatic journey and I was coming home to the to the the faint idea that I could trust myself to move across the country which is a huge deal for me I never even went on a vacation by myself so for me to actually begin to build this relationship to myself knowing that I got me no matter what I started to really change the way that I started my mornings the way and the energy that I brought into my day was was so monumental to how I lived out my day. So for me, even today, still today, before I get up, I do breath because it clears the energy. Little fun fact, 98% of the thoughts that we have in the morning are um, just feeding off of the thoughts that we had right up until we go to bed. So if we don't wake up in the morning and allow some clearing breaths to move through our body, the chances are we're going to get in the same cyclical pattern, get up on the same side of the bed, roll over, walk the same five steps to the bathroom, pick up the toothbrush with our right hand, right? We become really, really automatic. Breathwork really allows us to shift and to, and to be the active operator of our system right away. So I always start with breath in the morning. Um, I'll just give a little, this is a a pattern that I love to use. It's really amazing. It's most simple. And all it does is begin to bring that vagus nerve down and begin to create a center of energy in your space so that you can, again, become this operator. And it's just called the halo active breath. It's in through the nose and out through the mouth in a continual pattern without stopping. I do about 25 of those. So just... And again, it really allows me to clear the energy, clear the dreams, clear the thoughts of the day, drop into the body. And then in, and then from there is typically when I'll go into a manifestation or a prayer. So that's my morning routine. Um, there, again, are so many patterns that you can use throughout the day before I would come on a podcast or use my voice. I have a pattern for that. You can find a lot of these on my Instagram. Um, but but the, you can never do too much breath. Right. If breath is the tool and the catalyst to bring you into your body, if you're in traffic and you're heightened and someone cuts you off and I I dare you to try to breathe 10 times, 10 huge deep breaths and just watch how your state changes. So incorporating it, especially at those heightened emotions when you're activated or triggered or frustrated, stopping, closing your eyes if it's accessible or just at least dropping into the body and doing three deep breaths can be monumental to you starting to, again, break that habit and create a new state of being. Um, I do in uh, intensive meditative sessions about once a week. So if there's an intention that I have or something that I need clarity on or if there is a feeling that I need to move, I'll often position myself and lead myself through an experience of that. So it's really a tool that I get to use and create when feels good and feels called. And, and, you know, just starting out, starting with a halo breath or something simple, but as you go, you'll start to see that there are so many amazing techniques. Some are activating if you need energy, some are grounding if you need to be present. 
um, how you elongate the breath. Like it's it's the coolest tool ever. There's there's so much magic, and just getting started and getting curious and maybe setting a time aside on your calendar to practice for five minutes just really allows you to kind of find your flow and what works best for you. Yeah. And something I want to mention is that like, if for any, for any listener out there who has experienced, you know, whether it's a food addiction or, or just feeling out of control with some sort of vice, whether that's social media or TV or whatever it is, just trying a simple breathwork technique like the ones that you have just mentioned and then tuning into yourself and asking how you feel about that same need to reach for another cookie or to grab your phone because it's so interesting to me how that that craving really like subtly comes down when you are connected to your body. And that's really what we're talking about here. It's like when you calm your nervous system down and reconnect to your grounded center self, it's like it you don't really have this need to fix, to go do, you know? And so it's such a powerful tool that you can really tap into at any point, especially if you're feeling like out of control and like you're reaching for something to find control, like try the breath, try using yeah. that. Cause it really has been so powerful for me as well. And, um, it's funny cause breath work for me is always something that I'm like, I never want to do it in the moment. <laughs> and then after I do it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel 10 times better. So <laughs> that's just a funny side note, but do you, use a platform that people could potentially use is it pause breath work that you may be yeah. using yeah yeah do you yeah. want to share that a little bit as of a resource course. totally i love i love that piece too of go into the breath with the intention and see how you feel on the other side i did mm -hmm. i suffered so much decision paralysis and so when i was making a decision and I was feeling overwhelmed by this or that. And I'd go in and I'd do some breath. First of all, the charge neutralized almost immediately. So all of a sudden, I couldn't make a wrong decision or who cared. And I just had so much more clarity around the decision I was making. So that's a great tool. Um, I use the Pause Breathwork app. So I'll share that with you, Lily, and you can put it in the show notes. There is mm -hmm. three-minute, five-minute, 10-minute, 45-minute long, up to 50 recorded guided uh, breathwork meditations, which is so epic because... Yeah you get to choose, right? You get to take your intention. You get to pick what feels true for you in the moment. And then you get to be guided in that to either expand and, and, and open up and receive or, or ground down and become settled in, in the state that you're in. So that's a really valuable resource. Um, where depending on where you live to breathwork is up and coming. So there is a good chance that there's a live breathwork experience near you that you could tap into and try. First of all, you're going to meet some amazing people in there. And second of all, it allows you to be in the energy. I do a lot of virtual experiences and I love them and I'm great at, you know, holding the space for, for a container, but there's nothing like being in person and being able to to hold the calibration really high for my breathers. So if it's something you're interested in, definitely consider an in-person experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. In-person anything. I mean, I think that there's something to say to that because it's just like the energy when everyone's tapped into the same intention and kind of focusing on like coming into their own body. Yeah. It's just like the power of the room is so elevated. It's really, really mm -hmm. powerful. So I, 
I second that. I think that any experience you can do in person is, I mean, it's like going to a yoga class in person versus doing it at home. You just like, you feel the room and it's really powerful and motivating too. So thank you. And I, yeah, let me know with the pause breath work. I'll include that in the show notes for everyone to go check that out. If you need a little bit of like guidance for how to get started, I think that that's a great place to start. Yeah. And pivoting the conversation a little bit towards mindset and mindset work, because I know that this is something you talk about a lot as well and something that I am fascinated by. And mindset is kind of a broad term for really everything that helps shift your perspective and um, subconscious limiting beliefs and stories and programs and these kinds of things. Um, Mm. But how does mindset play into your work and Mm. Yeah, let's just start there. How do you incorporate mindset into the work that you do? I love talking about mindset, so you're going to have to reel me in. I love talking about mindset. It's so important, and it brings the awareness. Again, we're not able to observe versus identify if we don't know what we're observing, right? So when we bring awareness to the idea and to the concept that, like I said at the beginning of this episode, all of our conditioning, our patterns, our thoughts, beliefs, feelings, actions, results are stemming from 95% of a subconscious brain that was created from the ages of zero to eight years old and were really malleable, right? I always use this analogy and it's so weird. I don't know where I got it, but it's like you are, you have a stallion, a horse, a beautiful horse that's veiny and strong and muscular, but it's tied to 95 donkeys, going the other way, you're not going to get anywhere, right? You can have all this awareness and conscious. And again, you could be listening to this podcast and reading all the books and you can be growing cognitively in the conscious space. But if the subconscious isn't on board and the subconscious doesn't know what you're saying or, or why you are investing the time and energy in what you are, then we're not going to be able to become coherent to create change, right? So just the awareness alone that we have this humongous 95% of us that is operating out of automation and repetition and habitual um, like cyclical thoughts and patternings, we can't understand then how to bring it up and out and into the conscious mind. So when we have an, a really high emotional charge, for example, right, when we were young and we had a really emotional charge to something, maybe a really high emotional quotient reaction, our body takes that, takes a snapshot and stores it as memory. And that memory becomes embedded in our body and it becomes the truth for us. It feels true. And as we grow and as we evolve, that truth is the leading force in how we respond to things over and over and over. If there's a bicycle sitting outside and you and I are on a walk, and you look at the bicycle and you're like, oh, I hate bicycles. I fell off and broke my arm as a kid. Never never been on one again. And I'm like, what? Bikes are so fun. They're so freeing and liberating. I love to go fast. Same bike, neutral charge. You're putting your stored memory and your charge on it. And I'm putting my charge on it, right? So two humans, same experience, having a completely different human reaction to it. When we when we start to realize that, that we're patterned and we're conditioned and in order to liberate and break free of the chains that we are living in we have to we have to first become aware right and so what I do with my clients is we really I have a six-month container and I'd say we spend the first three months really 
bringing up and, and understanding our bodies and our stories and our limiting beliefs and why and how they're all attached, where they stem from, where they started, so that we can really bring them up to surface. And then we spend the last three months integrating. So in the body, recreating a new story, presenting safety, right? If I were to take you on that walk and say, hey, Lily, I want you to, let's figure out what this stems from. Okay, so we're back at that time when you were three years old and you fell. Can we can we be with that part? Can we tell her she's safe? Do you trust me to hold the handlebars and you just get on the bike? We don't even have to pedal. We don't even have to pedal. Just maybe get on the bike in the position and let me hold you in this, right? Then all of a sudden you're showing your body that's stuck in this three-year-old consciousness that bikes are scary, that maybe it is safe. Maybe evolved adult, you can take the reins. Maybe you are capable of doing this. And maybe that story you've been telling yourself for so long that's lived in your subconscious mind, you don't even know why you really feel it anymore. You just feel it because it's a story that you've reiterated over and over and over again can be liberated. And maybe you can ride down and feel the wind in your hair and the sun on your face. And maybe it could be a liberating experience. All has to come from us understanding first, why are you scared of them? And knowing that that might not be the truth. That might just be the stored subconscious story that we're operating from. Yeah, that truth piece is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Just asking yourself, like, is this true throughout the day as you have a belief that elicits a really strong response in your body? Mm -hmm. It's like, is this actually true? You know, and at first it might feel like, yeah, of course, like this is this is the experience I'm having. But just because you feel something because it's real in your body, it's a real experience for you doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's. mindset is so powerful to me because again, it's another piece that I just didn't really tap into for a long time. I understood it logically, but I was not implementing it. And I just thought that all the answers were in the physical, you know, it it had to do with changing my diet, just tweaking it a little bit or doing this exercise or whatever it is. And the truth is that the body responds mostly to what the mind is interpreting the meaning that the mind gives to your experience you know so you get information through your senses and then your mind creates a meaning based a lot off of your your childhood experiences and then that is just like the container that you get stuck in until you become aware of it so i think the two big steps here are really like awareness and then practice you have to practice firing new neural networks new neurons together to create new neural networks that will eventually become that second nature of how you operate like when you see that bike in the future you have now reprogrammed your mind to experience it as your latest experience of joy or whatever you have you know experienced latest so i love that so much and something that i think ties right in with mindset is language you know Mm -hmm. it's like all of these stories the way that they are created is through language through words and like we like we talked about earlier with the i am anxious versus i'm experiencing anxiety it may not seem like a drastic shift but that really does change your experience so so much and peter crone has this quote that says um words are the wardrobe of the soul which i love and i come back to time and time again because really our our true nature is limitless it's boundless like there is no limitations on what is possible other than what your mind thinks is a limit and so through words and thoughts we create kind of a a yeah, just a limitation around what we are capable of or what we think we're capable of. 
So I just want to hear your perspective on how language ties into all of this and, and yeah, your experience with that. Yeah, Lily, you're so well articulated. I can listen to you all day. I'm like, yes, girl, yes, yes. Same girl. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, literally, just to scientifically break it down a little bit, every single time you have a thought, a chemical is released. So have mm -hmm. that thought enough times, chemical releases enough times, becomes habitual, and it creates what you said, a neural pathway, right? We have a neurological pathway that is stuck. So we have the thought, we have the chemical release, we bind it, and then we bring an emotion into the body. Another quote that kind of goes with the one you said by Joe Dispenza, Joe Dispenza is, if emotions are the language of the body, then thoughts are the language of the mind, right? So if we're creating these thoughts, and they are coming, and they are Whatever the I am statement has got to be figured out. When we say anything behind I am, our body is listening and our body is acting accordingly. If you have an insecure thought, which leads to an insecure emotion, which leads you to believe that you are an insecure person, and then all of a sudden the statement is I am insecure, your body is like, yep, got it, noted. It cannot differentiate between positive and negative affirmations. So it's like, okay, you're insecure. Let me bring you more opportunities. Let me prove to you you're insecure. Let me show you why you're insecure. Told you you were insecure. Oh, you didn't think you were, remember, you are insecure. It's reminding you. It's, it's taking it, taking it, taking it. It is so powerful. This is one of those things. I think I made, did you see my reel on this today? I was like, we hear this, we hear this, we hear this. Why don't we do anything about it? Why don't we do anything about it? I am statements are so important. The monologue that you have in your brain is the single most important thing to your growth and transformation. And if you hear nothing else today, I think that that is so important. But how do we begin to shift? This is how we've been programmed. This is how we live. Well, we have to be, start to become aware of that voice inside of our brain that literally directs every single thing that we do, everything that we believe, everything that we feel, right? And... It's, it's monumental to be able to quiet that voice down in meditation, mm -hmm. in prayer, in breath work. Um, of course they're going to mow out loud. <laughs> of course they're going to do that to me. It's so funny. This is life. See, so we can choose to allow this to disrupt, right? This is mm -hmm. irritating. This is frustrating. Or we can say, of course it's going to happen and we're going to just redirect here and then it stops. See, that's magic. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with us. Thank you, everybody. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, that is a great example. I really think that, that just happened so mm -hmm. divinely. Like, is it going to knock us off course? Is it, is it going to raise our cortisol? Is it going to stress us out and make us feel like this whole thing's a wash and now we've messed up? And we, right? That is a neurological pathway that we could go down. Or we could just laugh and be like, what the heck? Why do you want to do this right now? What is happening? And like, okay, we'll just wait and wait till you're done, kind sir. Oh, you're done. Beautiful. Right. So every, opportunity every trigger every experience is such an opportunity for to for us to reaffirm the person we are or to affirm the person we're becoming and if you're reaffirming then you're living in the cycle and you're going to see the same results day in and day out but if you choose to go left and you choose to create a new experience because you have a hundred percent control not even 90 percent control you have a hundred percent control over your experience and your reaction then maybe the mower will stop outside and you'll continue on the podcast beautifully just as you started, right? So it's attuning, becoming aware, becoming curious, noticing how we respond. Why did I respond that way? Even if you just say, why did I respond that way? I don't know, whatever, and go about your day. You're still stopping yourself. You're still starting the curious train, right? You're, you're starting to question and, and want to understand yourself at a deeper level. And that is self-discovery. That is self-empowerment. And that is self-liberation. Right there.
Mic drop. Mic drop. Just close it out right there. (laughs) (laughs) Just gonna end it there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's so true. And all of it, in my opinion, can only really be done and be beneficial when it's coming from a place of love. Mm. When it's not coming from a place of like, I have to change or I must do this or I now I need to become aware. Like that energy is just causes more stress in the body, which is the exact thing that we want to move away from. And so mm-hmm. really just remembering to shift out of judgment and into curiosity is something that I like to say a lot. You know, it's like, instead of judging yourself for all of these things that you notice that you don't like about yourself or whatever, it's like, how can you shift that into an energy of curiosity? Because when it comes to building self-trust and a, and a, and deepen that relationship with yourself and your body, like think of any relationship that you start with a loved one, right? How do you approach that? You pro- approach it with presence and love and curiosity and kindness. Like you, you're just interested. And that's really all this is understanding that like so many of our programs and our, our default habits that we aren't proud of are coming from a part of us that you know, in childhood probably needed that in order to feel safe and and survive. And so starting to understand ourselves is such a deep process that can really lead to so much liberation as an adult. So I I love it. I mean, I feel like we could keep talking about this for hours. But one last question that I have for you in this section before we move on to the rapid fire questions um, is regarding plant medicine. So I know that you have mentioned that you have tapped into this tool, these tools um, as well. And I know that for me, they've been a big catalyst for my healing and I've talked about them on the podcast before. So just give me a little bit of, of inside experience as to your journey with plant medicines and how you have used them in a conscious way for healing. Sure. Yeah. Keyword being conscious way for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I never press anything on anybody. So I think that this is one of those things that you really, really need to spend the time and the research attuning to your system on. Are you ready for it? Is What is your intention behind it, right? One thing that I'll say about plant medicine that I find really interesting and also to be really true is certain drugs like um, marijuana and alcohol are, are what we call depressants, right? So what they'll do is they'll literally take the dendrites in your brain, those little balls at the end of your brain stems, and they begin to shrink and shrivel. So when we place those things and those chemicals in our body, the brain will actually begin to, to um, small and <laughs> small, what is it? <laughs> to, to become smaller. Um, but when you do plant medicine, the dendrites actually expand just based on the chemical release that your body has. And if you can actually think about it in this way, some of those drugs will actually begin to make us a little bit dissociated from ourselves, right? Like when you do alcohol, all of a sudden you're like, who do I become? I become Brittany on alcohol and whatever you you disassociate. But when you actually use plant medicine with intention, and I don't do anything more than micro or nano dose, depending on what the intention is, but it really actually begins to connect. It begins to open your brain in ways that you don't normally get to access. So for me, right when I moved here, I was using plant medicine. I was micro dosing and I had, I had a cadence. I had a three day on two day off type of situation so that I could, so that I could bring the awareness and then have some time to integrate and I really do think that it is a, a super powerful um, expander, and I think you have to be in the right headspace for it. I think if any part of you is reaching for it as a crutch or as a distraction or um, as something to fix you, right? Again, we can never find the validation externally, including plant medicine. But if it's something that you feel like 
you want to grow in and become expanded in, something that you want to deepen deepen into further, then I think it's a really great resource. And I can also share with you the website that I use and the discount code that actually discount code, excuse me, that actually mails it to your door because they are they're the real deal. They've gone through the legal and they have the perfect amount of psilocybin in it for it to be able to be shipped to you. Um, but starting really small and being really patient with yourself and not, again, grabbing for to fill a void, right? I think we all and try to fill voids instead of feel voids. So if there's a void that you're trying to fill, you have to feel it first. And then from that liberated space, can you begin to expand and, and reach toward something like plant medicine, I think is very beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just another tool, you know, and mm -hmm. some tools work for some people and some do not. And I think it comes down to like, like first doing this self work on yourself or like this self healing work on yourself so that you can come home to your intuition and therefore tap in and see if like plant medicines is something that that is actually calling your name or not, mm -hmm. because it's not for everyone. But I appreciate you sharing your journey. I think it's a conversation that yeah, I like to have more of because it has just been so taboo lately or mm -hmm. in the past. And um, I think that does do a massive disservice because people, in my opinion, should have should have awareness of these tools and then decide for themselves if it's something that they feel comfortable like exploring or not. So, mm -hmm. okay, let's dive into some of these rapid fire questions and then we will wrap <laughs> this up. Um, so the first one is, what is the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received? Or if you'd rather answer the question of what is the most important lesson you've learned along your way, along the way, like whichever one you'd like to answer. I'll answer that one because something came right away. Um, mm -hmm. The most important lesson is that this dance called life is a remembrance. Mm -hmm. It's a remembrance of who we are and who we were, we were born to be. I have a very strong faith and I was reading in the Bible this morning and maybe that's the divine intervention happening here is there's there's a phrase in Matthew that says or it basically states be be as children with childlike curiosity with innocence with purity coming home to that that powerful space right when you're 3 years old and I tell you you're going to be a princess you're like hell yeah I am I grew up I want to be a princess Right in today's age, I'm like, hey, you're gonna do magnificent things, and you're gonna be a magnet to healing and growth. And everyone that enters your space is gonna leave wealthier. You're like, no, no, not me. But I could be a princess at three years old, right? So I think just knowing that you have everything inside of you that that is powerful enough to get you to any destination that you want to go. And with that, I think the second, the second, not that you asked, but the second most important thing is remembering. There is no destination that we need to get to. There's not a certain amount of information that we can collect in order to be worthy, but to remember that the destination is now. The destination is on this podcast with you being so present here. Nowhere else I'd rather be than on this conversation with you here now. And I do this so that the journey of life gets to be easeful, peaceful, and beautiful. When we have this destination addiction and this is the journey that we have to take to get there, it all becomes really bombarded and and noisy and when we can flip those that the destination is here today doing the best you can and today is enough so that your journey of this thing called life can be lived in a way of liberation expansion peace joy and deep deep connection that's why we show up in a day-to-day -day, is not to get anywhere but to be present here to shift our state now so that we get to enjoy 
the rest of our life in a state of growth and expansion across a lifetime. Mm, beautiful. Mm, Top three <laughs> health practices. Oh, meditation. Meditation is one. It was one that I resisted for a long time. And I told myself, I can't meditate. I have such a noisy mind. And then I realized that the best meditation session I ever had was discovering that I had a racing active mind. Because I was like, wow, I didn't know if I had that awareness before. So just some moments of stillness and prayer for sure. Um, my relationship to Jesus specifically has been one that has transformed everything. Being able to know that there's an energy and a divine outside of myself that is guiding and supporting me and that it's not my job to control. I had um, I had a breathwork session and I heard something like take a nap and I was like, what? And I, I finally pieced it together that it was literally like, if you're worried about whether you and your hustle is making a difference in this world, take a nap wake up and I assure you the world is still spinning without you trying to force your way through it and, and do all of the freaking things. Just take a nap, wake up. It'll be right where you left it, right? So our surrendering, our need to control the outcome and to really deepen into this this divine holding that we get to have that's innate to us really takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, and then the third one, it's hard to pick a third one. I'm like, journaling is a movement, but... Um, and I'm going to put breathwork with the meditative category. So obviously that's kind of where that goes is stillness, right? Doing a practice like that. But I think the third one for me is, is connection is what's coming up. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's connection to self, it's connection to source, but it's connection to others. It's really, really paying attention and being mindful about the company and the energy that you're allowing into your space day in and day out. It's really selecting to go deep depth over width into the relationships that are really fulfilling for you. Because if I didn't have the community of women that I did, I don't know that I would be still on this entrepreneurial path, which is a wave of emotions with such, with such certainty that I'm where I'm supposed to be without that reminder of the people that unconditionally love and support me that I'm here. I think it's so important. And I think we can make self-practices such a exclusive thing, such an intimate thing with ourselves, but inviting other people in to pray with you, to breathe with you, to co-nourish you, to co-create with you, to breathe life into your visions. I think that's really, really important. I'm so glad you mentioned the connection piece because I think it's, you can get so trapped in doing this work on your own, especially at the beginning. And I know I did for a long time. And, you know, I think there's a, there's an aspect of this journey that like does require you to to spend time alone and like get to know yourself again. But there's also so much healing that needs to be done in community. And there's yes. nothing more powerful than being held by people that love you and see you and allowing yourself to open up to them. So thank you yes. for, for mentioning that. I think it's really powerful. Thank you. Who I think been... about us too, because I'm like, we have so many mutual friends. However, it took us six months to really connect, which is divine <laughs> timing. But, but you know, you're in the same space. You have similar women in your corner and, and I know you can attest to that. So just noting. Yeah, it's just so powerful. It's like, and it, it does require you to put yourself out there a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. to like go to that event, to like reach yeah. out to someone that you've been thinking about, like yeah. even just recording this podcast, like it's been on my mind for a while and I'm just, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Yeah. And it's like, no, sometimes we just have to remember that like now is the time, you know, like yeah. reach out and like see what comes from it, you know, and right. allow it to be vulnerable and messy and like, yeah. it's all part of it, but it, it can yes. lead to such beautiful community. And so, Yeah. I hope that that 
you know, inspires people to to reach out to the people that they love and, and want to connect with deeper because it's absolutely necessary for sure. Um, okay. Well, who have been some of your greatest teachers or mentors? Hmm. The first one that pops up is one of my best friends, Kelsey Flanagan. She is a coach as well. She's amazing at what she does. And when I was living in the small town that I was with, with the boy and the dog, I met her one week before I moved in with her. <laughs> she opened up her doors to me. She saw me so clearly. She knew that I needed change and she didn't ever push me into doing anything, but she asked me all the right questions to reveal it within myself. And I think that that is what really taught me how to stop externalizing and surrendering and outsourcing my power, but to really come home to the decisions that I had clear in my heart. So she gave me a lot of space to to uncover what it was that I needed. And then she also introduced me to Pause, which is a company that I work for. And she's been a really big expander. She really changed the trajectory of relationships for me and and just to have somebody who's willing to open up their doors and move their agenda and life aside to to take on someone else that they see a high high promise in and hold the vision when they can't hold it themselves has been really huge. So I attribute a lot to her. Um, the second the second person is Samantha Skelly, uh, the leader of Pause Breathwork. I think I really dove into her work and listened, you know, to to what she had to say around our energy over our strategy and our energy being everything and sacred and our ability to live through life with peace and ease is available to us and and really just opening the doors to me into this space of self-help and all of the amazing connections she's allowed me to have through working with her alongside her and then just being in her community has been has been really amazing and then I guess today I've got to say my boyfriend because after a lot of relationships that were really codependent or unhealthy or surface level, I found a partner that, that can really meet me at my depths and challenge me, and he's a coach as well. So so we're always challenging each other, and we're walking this life together. And again, I think there might have been a few times where, truthfully, I, I would have given up on this. Um, I might have gone back to real estate or, or, or tried to do something else just because the journey can be such a wave, and he has inspired me sorry that is my puppy on the <laughs> okay um, he's really inspired me and just spoke life into my vision from day one and I think it's again comes back to that ability for people to to breathe life into your dreams rather than to suck energy from it so those are my three people today I love that yeah our partners can really be such amazing teachers if we're willing oh, yeah. to see them as such and like see a reflection in them Yes. Okay. Two more questions. What is a book that you would recommend for anyone? Just a book that comes to mind on this work. Okay. Two come to mind and I'm reading both of them. So I guess I'm not (laughs) entirely credible, but so far my, my heart has expanded. One of them is existential kink. I'll have Mm. to figure out who that's by, but it is basically in a really, really beautiful way, showing us that sometimes the the negative thought loops and the things of our shadows, right, which shadow just means a part of us that might be stuck in time, is actually um, in a weird way turning us on. <laughs> we actually become a little bit addicted to this lack and scarcity mentality, and we actually begin to get comfortable in the, in the I have to hustle, things have to be hard for them to be worthy. So it really reveals the patterns and thoughts that are actually 
um, a little bit addictive. And that's been a really, really, really eye-opening book for me, and it's kind of an easy read, so you can read that at all levels. The second one that I'm halfway through and is changing the way that I think day-to-day, because I've read so many books, but but not many of them have actually taken like root in my conscious to be able to affect me in my day, and that's The Surrender Experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, have you read that one? Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. And it's so simple. It's such an easy read, but it's it's just, again, talking about the voice in our mind and how to begin to quiet it, how to begin to find liberation in the nothingness. And that is where creativity flows, right, is only when we're still. So if we're if you're having a creative block, if you're an entrepreneur yourself, surrendering, softening, and being still, that's a great book for you. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because literally yesterday I was like, the past few days I felt like this creative block where I'm just like, oh, like why aren't the, why isn't the inspiration flowing? Like, and I was being really forceful about it. Like I'm going to dedicate two to 4 PM on this day to like sit down and like brainstorm about this project, blah, blah, blah. And nothing would come through. And I'd be like so annoyed. (laughs) And then finally yesterday I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to stop trying and I'm just going to take a bath and relax. And the moment that I let my nervous system like relax, all of the inspiration started coming through, of course. And so it's just so funny that you say that because it's so, so true. And um, I haven't read Existential Kink, but it's been on my list for a while. And so I'm glad that it came up again because it always just like gives me that little nudge to like go get it. So yeah, I'm excited. Those are two great books for sure. Okay, last question. So obviously this podcast is called Home to Self. And like I said, that can mean so many things but I'd like to hear what that means to you. Mm, Coming home to yourself. I get full body chills. I love the name of this podcast. Thank you. I love the name of this podcast. And ultimately we're all walking each other home, right? (laughs) But when Mm -hmm. we talk about coming home to ourself, it is again, that remembrance, that knowing that coming home to you are so perfectly created There is no one else in the entire world that can show up in the same magic that you can show up in. And if you hear that and you doubt that, I see you, I hear you, I know. And there is a space on the other side of that doubt that is so freeing. And if you just take one small step and then another really small step and you walk in gratitude and desire and you slowly make your way into the faint possibility that you are just as powerful as you believe deep down that you are, it is so freeing. And you in your most authentic expression is the most alive, magnetic, breathtaking view possible. And any part of you that is trying to wear a mask or, or please or show up in a way in order to, to hear validation and fix validation, you get to love those parts too, reveal and unravel those parts too, and just come home, be weird, dance, do the thing, paint your hair, like just start to live out your true expression because it's so beautiful. And the only reason you don't is because somebody somewhere once told you that it was unacceptable. And I'm here to tell you it's so acceptable. And, and the louder you are and the more space you take up and the brighter you shine, you may receive some criticism for it, but you will be so free. And people like Lily and I will love you so big and meet you there so unapologetically. Mm, that was probably the best answer I've ever heard for that question. Oh. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're so tuned in. And then it's so beautiful because to me, there's... <laughs> 
that. I'm trying to be myself. <laughs> it's okay. We're almost through. But I was just going to say the most beautiful thing, in my opinion, is authenticity. And it's like, it's so magnetic when you feel someone's like true presence and just like unapologetically being themselves. And that's really, to me, the goal of doing all of this work. It's like, come back who, to who you were before life happened to you, you know? And so... Um, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a beautiful conversation. And before I let you go, tell people how they can connect with you, what you've got in the works and yeah, what they can expect from you. Yeah, Lily, this has been so amazing. I knew I was going to manifest him doing that again, but I'll try to get through this. <laughs> you're so amazing. You shine so bright. I appreciate the work you're doing for the women in your community and the, the women of this world, whoever lands on your page divinely is so lucky and blessed and i know that you'll hold anyone that reaches out to you so thank you for being such an embodiment of this work for being such a deep soul sister and i can't wait to deepen our connection um you can find me on instagram at britley and b-r-i-t-l-e-y-a-n-n my website is divineyourlife.co that's pretty much it i have a podcast divine your life if you want to peek in there i was telling lily i'm kind of waiting to relaunch season two, but go play in some of the episodes of last year. There's some good ones in there and I'm excited to have Lily on this year. Um, but yeah, reach out to me. Let me know, you know, what your takeaway was, how you know Lily. I love to connect with anyone in her space. And if not, I'm just grateful to be here so much. So Yes, and I'm going to put all your info below so people have an easy way to access you, but definitely go follow Britley. Your, I mean, your Instagram is so powerful. There's so much good content and value on there. It really is inspiring to me. I'm like really trying to be more consistent, but it's <laughs> – I feel like the podcast comes naturally to me and then like the posting on Instagram, I'm like, okay, we got to work on this. <laughs> but That's your zone. That's okay. That's perfect. <laughs> it's all it's all perfect, but I appreciate you so much and all the work you're doing. Thank you so much for speaking your truth and inviting everyone with such a beautiful like acceptance. Like I just feel so accepted whenever I'm by you and like not an ounce of judgment and I think that's so beautiful in this space because this space can be a little bit like forceful sometimes and I think that the only way that we can really come home to ourselves is if we're kind and you know understanding and compassionate with ourselves and you just embody that really deeply and I appreciate that so thank you again for sharing your wisdom with us and I can't wait to connect further thank you love so much all right everybody we'll talk to you next time bye